hope and pray you all had a good week. Did you mind the snow or did you did you like it? Any takers on liking? Right? No. It's really cool to see the wind blowing snow in the fields. Just how shiny and gorgeous it is. So and on the trees too. So nice. Nice artwork. So it has been a good a good start to new year, right? As we look through Psalm 63, as a really great time of reflection about needed vision. Because vision is needed in all of life, right? How to, to set goals and to be about serving the Lord in the here and now. To be about pleasing Him. And that's what we're about as saints, as little Christs or Christ followers, right? Christians, to go through the day and be about stepping into mission. Whether that be here in Simla or out in Bangladesh, as we heard from Simon and Hannah last week. As we come to this, you know, what, is, what is the church? You know, we, we come to see that the church is a group, a local group of set-apart people called to serve Jesus. Whether that be in the daily work and witness or being on the field. We are the set-apart church, the body of Christ. And we are all gifted and placed in the church for good work because we are the workmanship of Christ Jesus. As we get to start the book of Colossians today, we see as one study Bible states is true. Remove the head coach and the team flounders. Break the fuel line and the car won't, line, won't run. Or if you break even the little, uh, the little water belt, the car won't. I, I learned about those about a month ago that they, they won't run without that either. <laughs> uh, unplug the electrical appliance and it has no power. Whether for leadership, power, or life, connections are vital. We can see a world around us seeking and looking for connection. Uh, social media, right, is a grandiose uh, false promise to that end. That we can, we can stay connected, but mostly to ads, right? Buy our new, whatever it is. Well, I wanted to talk with Bob. This is, not, this is not what I'm trying to do. You know? We can see a world looking for life in all the wrong places. And we can even see that as a church, Christianity and Christians in general have traded in what God has given her and therefore has found itself in a mess of marketing and false promises of CEOs that can't turn the ship. For like Israel, we have forsaken the living God and believed worldly promises would build a church. Colossians lays out this as one study Bible states as well. Only by being connected with Christ through faith can anyone have eternal life. And only through a continued connection with him can anyone have power for living. Christ is God incarnate. And the only way to forgiveness and peace with God the Father. This is the bedrock of where to begin and grow out from there. The standard must be God's standard. 
Colossians is a great place to see that standard and start with it and stay with it. Now let's uh, start in a word of prayer before we turn into the text. Now, Father God, we, we thank you for a beautiful morning that we can be reminded, as Isaiah says, as the Lord calls, come reason and your sins will be as white as snow. Though they be as scarlet, they'll be like wool. That as we encounter you, Lord Jesus, and know that salvation is through you alone, we are changed forevermore. And the question of how or how to comes up a lot. How do we go about in that? How do we go forward in that? And, and thank you for the book of Colossians laying it forward. How we need you, Jesus, in all things. That we are your workmanship set out and created for good works. And help us go forward in that. Pray for the edification of the body, the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, Lord. And, and be with us in this time of study that there be any distractions and any things that you know, our, our minds are set upon that we would just put them aside for now and fix upon your word and, and study. Study to show oneself approved to you, Lord, to be about serving you. And thank you, Jesus, for this time in your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, please uh, turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Colossians. Chapter 1. I've been, been looking forward to starting this book. Verse 1 states this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. This is the beginning of the letter of Paul to the Colossians as the book via letter is written by Paul. Timothy is also named in the greeting as he was with Paul and is most likely well known in the area that Colossians was written to as he was the head of the Ephesian church. Paul is one who has a long history, right? We read this in Acts but Paul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So that's an actual continuation, right? It's a continuation of uh, what's found in Acts uh, one, or Acts 8, 1 through 3. Um, this is uh, the stoning of Stephen took place. And then it says this about Saul. And Saul approved his execution, that being Stephen. And, arose on that, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entered house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So first and foremost, the, the first time we meet Paul, he 
approved of the execution of Stephen, the first church martyr. And then he went to work on the church in Jerusalem. Uh, this actually spreads the church. Uh, they, you know, go out to Judea and, and uh, Samaria. And then we, we see this in, in Acts chapter 9. Uh, Saul encounters the Lord Jesus and is changed forevermore. Acts 9, 3 through 9 records, And now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus. He had his letters and he was going to go to work in another town. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now this man, you know, he started out in the book of Acts by bringing wrath against the church. He thought it was a good and right thing. He was attacking the way. He believed it was a lie. He was sold out about not allowing the followers of Jesus to be heard of again until he met the Lord. And then he was sold out about proclaiming it. Uh, Luke tells us of this change in Acts uh, 19 uh, through 22, sorry, Acts 9, 19 through 22. And for some days he was with the disciples in Damascus, at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. I love this. All who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? And it's like, dude, what happened? All right, what we t just talked about in Sunday school happened. Nothing is impossible with God, right? And then it goes on. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving Jesus was the Christ. They got the rough draft version of the book of Romans. <laughs> Here, here's everything. Here's everything from the Old Testament that proves who he is. Saul is transformed by meeting Jesus and understands that he is the Messiah promised in the scriptures. Set apart by the Spirit, he is sent out. And he is also known as Paul. He comes from a town named Tarsus, and he had Jewish name, Saul, and he had a Gentile name, Paul. That'd be his Roman name. And so as he went on, it made sense to Paul that he as he traveled further and further into the Gentile regions of the world, he changed his name in Acts 13.9. He's referred to as Saul uh, before then and then Paul after that. So Paul goes on through many dangers, toils, and snares, and then he ends up in jail, right? That's, you know, the summarized version. You can read the story in the book of Acts. You know, the first time I ever read the book of Acts as a new believer, I was like, why is it about one guy, right? It's all, all these dudes are doing stuff, and then it's, it's just so evident 
of how amazing the grace of God is to see that this one guy who was sold out for destroying the church is edifying it, encouraging it, writing half of our New Testament. It's amazing. It's an amazing change. Well, he ends up in house arrest at the book of Acts, and this is what he did there. He lived there for two whole years at his own expense. So he's in jail and he gets to pay for it. How's that a cool legal system? Hey, you want to go to prison and pay for it? No. <laughs> we need to institute that one. And he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's a beautiful ending to the early church history, right? Without hindrance, it went out and continued to go out. And we're sitting here in Simla, Colorado, talking about Jesus like 2,000 years later. How amazing is that? <clears throat> Paul was all about getting the news out. And as he was there in Rome, he also wrote. A one Bible dictionary tells us this. Colossians is one of the prison epistles, which is another word for letters, along with Ephesus, or sorry, Ephesians, woo, right town, wrong letter, Ephesians, Philemon, and Philippians. Paul and Timothy are explicitly named as the authors, and Timothy may have served as Paul's secretary. Timothy is Paul's true child in the faith. Paul and Timothy actually meet each other in the book of Acts. If you want to turn in your Bibles with me to Acts 16. On Acts 16, uh, verses 1 through 5, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for the observance of the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. That's at Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council. So the churches were strengthened in their faith, and they increased in number daily. When I looked at these two guys in their history, I really see even in Paul's letters to Timothy there's a close kinship there right well right away you can see that Timothy and Paul are from two split worlds Tarsus he has a Hebrew name and a Jew and a Gentile name and then Timothy had a Jewish mom and a Gentile dad and he was a believer so right away there's a lot of kinship there I feel so Paul had Timothy join him Later, Timothy would become the overseer slash elder in Ephesus, and both Paul and Timothy would be well known by the believers in Colossae, but both men had most likely never been there. The Apostle Paul writes as one who has witnessed the resurrected Christ, because he did, right? And he wrote 
to share as the apostles have all witnessed the resurrected Christ. He writes by the will of God. The apostles witnessed Jesus and then they write to share their joy with others. This letter is sent to Colossae, was sent to believers, pointing them to the one they needed throughout their lives. Going on in verse 2, Paul states this, To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Paul and Timothy are writing to saints, to people who are living and breathing in the now, who are set apart. The saints are best described by what Peter states in his first letter. He states this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It's a good dictionary definition of what a saint is. We were without mercy, and now we have mercy. Because we are set apart. We are justified by the blood of the Lamb, called out of darkness into marvelous light. Saints are this. They are justified by resting in the finished work of the cross. The people of God are found in this, as Philippians states, as Paul states this to the church in Philippi. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. The work, the mystery being done in us, the work of the Lord his good work is awesome. And we are called to be faithful, to walk hand in hand, so to say, with the Lord. Paul also states this in the book of Philippians. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. pleasure. So our justification comes by resting in the finished work of Christ upon the cross. Our sanctification, our living in light of what Jesus has done. He has finished the work upon the cross. And then our glorification where we find ourselves in our resurrected bodies in full completion by the finished work of Christ upon the cross. It all comes back to Jesus, right? The answer is Jesus. Or see, just circle it, right? <laughs> and this is the call for the set-apart people of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. As J. Vernon McGee states in his commentary, we are not saints because of what we do. We are saints by our position. See, Colossians is a letter that was written as one Bible guide book states in Rome to Colossae, around A.D. 60 to 61. Paul had never been there, but Paul had actually been in Ephesus. 
<coughs> near Colossae for three years during this third missionary trip, as a, about a hundred miles east inland from Ephesus. The better known cities around Colossae were Hierapolis, I think I'm not butchering that one badly, and Laodicea, so we can say that one, right? <laughs> You know, Colossae was a small, out-of-the-way town. Scholars think that the church started around A.D. 52 to 55 because of Epaphras. Epaphras was a new believer that returned to his hometown and began sharing the good news of Christ, which most likely resulted in the birth of the church of Colossae. Epaphras' connection with the church is stated in verse 7 of chapter 1 of Colossians, that you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. And we'll explore more of that as we get to that verse. From three verses, that's it, that we have on Epaphras, uh, we see that he is a servant of Christ. He struggles on behalf of the Colossian church, and he is a fellow prisoner of Paul and his hometown is Colossae. The amazing thing about Asia, or Asia Minor as our textbooks call it, is that it heard the gospel in two different ways in early church history recorded in the book of Acts. The first is recorded at Pentecost. Well, Jews from, out, uh, from all over the Roman world came to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. The church was born that day and many people from all the known parts of the world got the gospel and spread it, spread the news of Christ. The second took place during Paul's missionary journeys. Um, please turn with me in your Bibles to Acts 19. But Acts 19, uh, verses 8 through 10, uh, tell us of this. And this is, this is in Ephesus. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Which he started in, in Acts 9, right? He keeps on doing it through the whole book. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation... He withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. That's a lot. It's a lot of land. You look at modern-day Turkey, that's Ayatollah, that's Asia Minor, as it's called in the ancient Near East. Grace and peace of God came to that part of Asia through these events. <clears throat> well, Paul's first word to these believers is what all of humanity needs. Grace and peace from God our Father. From the small town to the big city. That's what Paul was about. That's what his fellow prisoners or fellow co-workers, depending on where they were at one time or another of a writing of a letter. Because Paul knew this and believed it, what he states in Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, 
to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For it is in, excuse me, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is the power. You know, not programs, not people pleasing, not smoke and awe. But the righteousness of God made manifest apart from the law in the person and work of Christ Jesus. So now that you got all the history, right? Who likes a good history lesson? This guy, right? <laughs> yeah. Now that we got all the history, how do we how do we learn from all of that? How do we go forward with the news that brought us right here? Faithfulness is the is the word that came to mind. Faithfulness in the small stuff, faithfulness in the big things, faithfulness in pointing and proclaiming the good news. I love 1 Corinthians 4, 2. God calls us to this. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Can't you just rest in that? We're not called to be successful or famous. Woo! Because I'm not going to get there. But I can be found faithful. We can be found faithful in what God has given us. That we would do what we are called to do and that we would do what we know to do. James states it like this. For whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And then he informs us of this as well. Well, he informed us of it earlier because that's 4.17 and then James 1.22 states this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. It's not about having all the knowledge, all the skill. It's about hearing what God says, understanding it in the context, and then being about doing it. We are here because of others. Others being faithful to point to Jesus, to serve Jesus, and to share Jesus because he alone, that good news is the power of God that Christ came to save us sinners. That Jesus died for the very enemies of God. Even the good little sinners and the bad little sinners. Wherever we categorize them, we're all in the same boat as we talked about in Sunday school. And then this happened. He was raised on the third day and he is sitting at the right hand of God. This truth, this person, right? Because Jesus is the truth. He's, you know, how, how cool is that? It's not just a fact, it's a person, you know? This truth, this person encountered changes us forever. Paul writes this to the church of Corinth. Please uh, turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteousness, unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adult, adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, 
nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the revilers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul states this, and such were some of you. But you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. You know, the wicked, the worldly, the rebels cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But thanks be to God, the grace and peace found in Christ Jesus is this, that us sinners can be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. That's what we can learn from history. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Biblical history. The history itself, too, is pretty awesome. Um, but that's another day. <laughs> you know, whether we know it, whether we know all of it or not, whether we are skilled or not, whether we understand all the isms or the worldviews or not, that we would be faithful with this, that we would point others to him of who has washed us clean and proclaim like John the Baptist does, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Well, let's uh, close in a word of prayer. And Father God, we, we thank you. We thank you for the book of Colossians and uh, just looking forward to, to going through it and, and really seeing that we need you, Jesus. And in all things, we need to be about you and we need to point and proclaim you to the world that is lost and dying and seeking and searching for all these different connections and all these different things. It's just come up empty-handed. Help us as the set-apart people of God to be encouraged and equipped to go out and to be about pointing and proclaiming others to you because all other sources are dead sources and you are the source of life. You are the living hope, Lord. And thank you for this time. Uh, be with us as we sing, as we fellowship, as we go out from here. Thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace and the peace that is offered through Christ alone. It's in his name we pray. Amen.